I've got a message today for us, and it's a, it's a pretty simple message, but I think it's going to encourage you. It's going to, it's going to honor the Lord, and it's going to encourage you. And, and so we're here on the 26th of December, the end of the year, perhaps the last service that you attend uh, this year. And, and what I want to do today is I want to encourage you around the idea and, and, the, and the concept of what is Christmas season really about. What's Christmas all about? And before I jump in, I'm gonna pray and then we'll, we'll do that, okay? So would you pray with me? Father God, thank you for Christmas. Thank you for the celebration, the festivities, the family, eating good food, the gifts given and received. Thank you for City Light Church and thank you for your word. Father God, I pray that you would glorify yourself in the next few moments and that you would encourage your people and you call home sons and daughters that perhaps need encouragement or need edification, need challenge, need charging. And that you'd bless, God, ultimately, your word. We know it will not return void. We honor you now, Jesus. Be glorified. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm a, I'm a husband and a dad of three. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'm going to show you a picture of my family. Uh, my wife, Corey. Our oldest is Campbell. Our middle uh, daughter is Mary Bradford. And then our baby son is Gaines Graham. And Christmas time is a crazy time in our house with littles everywhere. Everybody's excited. Everybody's talking about what they want for Christmas. And we watch a lot of Christmas movies. And so I just want to ask you, uh, we still have a couple of movie watching days ahead. Maybe you've got some time off from work. What's your favorite Christmas movie? Uh, maybe there's some elf fans out there, or maybe there's some, some classic Home Alone people. One, two, three. I think three was kind of average. There's a new one on Disney. I think you can watch it. It's okay, I've heard. Uh, maybe maybe you, you like a, a lot of the cartoons, or maybe you like some of the new ones, or maybe you like the one with Tim Allen where he turns into a big fat Santa Claus. I, I don't know. My favorite Christmas movie, though, of all time, okay, of all time, is the old classic, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Anybody love that one? How the Grinch Stole Christmas. I know you know it, but let me remind us of the, of the story of how the Grinch stole Christmas because I think it gives us a really good look, a cultural insight as to what Christmas is about. Dr. Seuss, who wrote How the Grinch Stole Christmas way before it was a movie, it was a book in the 1950s, and it was a real commentary on society and what society had turned Christmas into. And so if you recall the story, the Grinch lived up on Mount Crumpet, just north of Whoville. And uh, the Who's, they were Christmas crazy. Maybe you have some people like this in your life that just go crazy for Christmas, like they're, they're listening to Christmas music in September and they're decorating their house and maybe they don't even take down their Christmas decorations, they just kind of push them to the side until next summer where they pull them back out again. The Who's were like that. They loved Christmas. And so the Grinch, of course, being the Grinch, didn't. And so the Grinch makes his plan that he's going to dress up as Santa Claus and right before Christmas, he's going to disguise himself, sneak down the chimneys of all of the Who's down in Whoville, and he's going to rob them of all of their stuff because the Grinch thought Christmas was about stuff. And so sure enough, he goes into Whoville, goes down the chimney, dressed up as Santa Claus. He takes the, their stuff. He's beginning to load it up. He runs into a little Who down in Whoville. You remember her, the cute little Anna Lou Who. And he fools her just long enough. But then they all wake up the next morning in Whoville and their stuff is gone. 
And the Grinch is just grinning. Remember, he's got that poor dog. We don't even know what the dog's name is. The dog is pulling his sleigh full of stolen Whoville stuff up the top of Mount Crumpet. And he gets to the very tippy top as the sun comes up on Christmas morning. And you know he's just anticipating all the sadness and all the joy and all of that to disappear because Christmas, of course, was about the stuff. And he was going to throw away, steal, remove all of their stuff. And right as he gets to the very tippy top of Mount Crumpet, he's about to throw their stuff into, a, into a, an abyss on the other side. He hears something. Remember what he hears? He hears the sound of the Who's down in Whoville, and they are singing, right? They're singing. Now, Jabin's a singer. I'm not a singer, so maybe he'll sing this song for you, but it's something like, ah, ah, ah. I don't even remember what it is, but I hear the sound in my head as the chorus of Who's down in Whoville start to sing. And remember what happens to the Grinch's heart in that moment? It grew three sizes larger that day. The Grinch actually uh, made a statement. He, he says these words. It says, he puzzled and puzzled till his puzzler was sore. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't thought of before. Maybe Christmas, he thought. It doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. And uh, we as Christians, or if you're a Christ follower, you know that Christmas means way more. But I think culturally, culturally, we recognize that Christmas can feel like stuff, can feel like capitalism, can feel like marketing, can feel thin, and that is not the reason for Christmas. And so the question I wanna ask you today is we're kind of packing up our stuff as we are opening up our stuff, and maybe you've already had this feeling kind of begin to settle in. I can remember being a child and looking forward to the 25th and getting to Christmas Day, and then after we open up all the stuff and all the, all the trash is put away and all the boxes are packed up and you've got your new toys, the smiles are on our faces, the new clothes are on our, our bodies, but you kind of have this sinking feeling that settles in on the 26th and the 27th and the 28th. Y'all know that feeling I'm talking about? This feeling that Christmas wasn't about the stuff, but maybe I had attached my joy to all those things. So the question I wanna ask today of all of us is what is Christmas about really? What is Christmas about, really? We're gonna take a look at the scriptures and I've got three things from the text that I think we can, we can say and sink our teeth into and build our lives upon that Christmas is about. And so here's what I wanna do. Christmas, number one, if we're asking this question, Christmas is about the gift. Write that down if you don't mind. Christmas is about the gift. What's Christmas is about? Christmas is about the gift. Isaiah chapter nine, verse six tells us these words. 700 years before Jesus shows up in time, Isaiah the prophet writes these words, for unto us a child is born and unto us a son is what? A son is given. You see, Christmas is about a gift. Everything that we see that comes from Christmas, all the wake of Christmas for 2,000 years is all tied back to the fact that there was a God who loves the world so much that he gave a gift, the gift of his son. As we're packing up our Christmas stuff and we're already beginning to make plans for the new year, 
already beginning to make plans for the ball drop, already beginning to make plans for the next holiday, already beginning to pack away our Christmas, let's not forget that Christmas isn't about the stuff. Christmas is about our, our Savior. Christmas is about the Son. Christmas is about a gift. The second thing that we know that Christmas is about is Christmas is about not just a gift, but Christmas is about the giver. Christmas is about the giver. John chapter three, verse 16, you know this one. It's the most known passage in the Bible. You don't even have to be a Christian to know John three sixteen, but it tells us that Christmas is about a giver. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Maybe you've heard these words before, but they've stuck with me, and so I hope they'll stick with you. The, the noun of the Bible is Jesus, but the verb of the Bible is give. We have a God who gives, and we have a giver in our Lord. If you don't know what God is like, you've wondered what kind of attributes God has, one of the things we can see from scripture is that he is a giver. He is a giver. And that the heart of God is to, is to make sure that you and I recognize that he is namely trying to give you something. He's not a taker. He's not vindictive. He's, 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 he's not looking to get you. He's looking to give something to you. And so as you pack away all your Christmas stuff this year, I hope you'll remember that you have a God who wants to give and give and give and give. Christmas, you see, is about a gift and Christmas is about a giver. The third thing I'd love for you to write down is just very simply this. Not only is Christmas about a gift and Christmas about a giver, but Christmas is about the response. Christmas is about the response. It's about how you and I would respond to the gift and the giver. How would you respond to the gift and the giver? Now, until I uh, got married and, and like bought a house, uh, what was the most uh, expensive gift maybe perhaps you've ever purchased? Uh, mine actually didn't happen at Christmas. Mine happened somewhere about 12 years ago. Uh, I'd been dating my then girlfriend, Corey O'Toole, for several years. We were finishing up college, she was specifically, and on her last day of finals, I put a plan on the, the calendar to Proposed. Now, she didn't know I was proposing, uh, but I went and spent the most money that I had ever spent. I remember writing the check to buy that diamond ring, and I asked her uh, to celebrate finishing up college. We'd go out for a dinner. Uh, literally the last final, she turned in that day at lunch, and she got to come home and take a nap after pulling the all-nighter, and then uh, we met for dinner that evening. Now, I had already gone through all of the process. I had driven out of town to meet her dad uh, and mom. I'd asked her father for her hand. Uh, we went to Olive Garden, okay? We went to Olive Garden is where I met her dad. I actually think it was the last time I ate at Olive Garden, but we <laughs> ate at Olive Garden and uh, he pulled out uh, notes to ask me all these questions. I got approval from dad and mom and, and then I made a plan and we go to eat that night for dinner. My soon-to-be wife is there and we get up from dinner after we've enjoyed a meal. We take a walk across town and on the way we stop at a bench in town and I get down on my knee and I pull out a box that I've spent a lot of money on. I open it up and I look her in the eyes and I said, Corey O'Toole, 
would you marry me? The gift was there. The giver was there. But the response was what everyone was waiting on. Now, praise God, she said yes. And, uh, and we don't know each other that well, but I just cards on the table. I'm a super emotional guy. So uh, I cried way more than she did at the proposal. She said, yes. Uh, We even have a a couple of photos. This is before like, you know, digital stuff. So all my photos are just kind of grainy and raw and and perhaps you'll even see one of these photos. But she said, yes. I was so pumped. We go and walk up to a place where we had uh, dessert planned and a bunch of our friends were there. And I was so grateful that she had said, yes, it was about a response. I want you to know, listen, when it comes to Christmas, what we've got to recognize is there's a response that's personal for you and for me. We have to respond. And we respond every single day of our lives. We live our response to the reality of God has put his heart on offer towards us. I love you. I know you're not perfect. I know you've got brokenness. I'm not intimidated by your, your background, your baggage. I'm not intimidated by the dirt. I'm not, inti- this, this is the beauty of the incarnation of God. He's, he is so okay, so okay associating with the lowly. He is so okay associating with those that maybe perhaps even in society today feel like no one sees you or you're hurting or you're broken. Um, he's so okay with that. It's a very unbelievable ungodlike thing to do. It's one of the things that sets Christianity apart. When all the other religions of the world are intimidated by sin, the God of the Bible, Jesus our Savior, enters into our filth, our brokenness, our skepticism, our past, our present, all of the things that are busted in our world. He enters right into it and he says, hey, I love you. Will you respond? And one of the great truths is, and maybe this will help you as you look out for the rest of this year and into next year, is that any sin in your life and in mine is not gonna be overcome by more discipline. It's gonna be overcome by greater love. It's a greater love that we recognize that God has for us and our response in loving him is our obedience in our life. And so how will you respond. Well, I started to think about this um, in, uh, in a creative way the other day, and, and I thought I would leave you with a picture to kind of conclude, because one of the things that we see plenty of in these days of Christmas time and Advent and just December is you see all of these manger scenes, right? They're everywhere. Like you see them as you drive down the road, perhaps, and you see them on mantles, you see them in homes, you see them in yards with the, you know, you see them everywhere. Uh, They're all over the place. You see them when you watch Home Alone, right? Macaulay Culkin like hid out in one of these things one time. Remember that? Uh, You see them, you see them, you see them. And what ends up happening is the manger, when I look at it, what ends up happening is everybody is centered up around who? who? Who who is everybody centered up around? Every single manger scene I've ever seen, everybody is centered up around Jesus. Everybody's centered up around the baby. The, the Magi are there, Mary and Joseph are there, the shepherds are there. I mean, you know, depending on what manger you look at, you got donkeys and sheep and everybody there. Everybody is centered up around Jesus. But the one thing I've noted in my life, and, and I would assume this to be about yours as well, you're, 
here at church on the 26th, so I'm gonna presume some things about you. Um, Jesus is also a part of your life, all right? Uh, Just like he's a part of this manger scene. But inevitably, what happens is over the course of time, life starts to occur, and Jesus no longer is the center. He's, he's a part of the picture, but somehow life happens and we just begin to drift and we begin to put Jesus in frame, but he's not in the center. And maybe, maybe, maybe I don't know, our stuff kind of gets into the center, right? Um, and so Jesus is in the picture. He's just not in the center. And, and so I just wanna, I wanna ask a question when it comes to the way we respond. I mean, if, if Christmas is also about our response, the way we respond is we place Jesus at the center. And the truth is in my life and perhaps in yours is we have a tendency in this world to allow Jesus to drift. He's a part of the picture. He's just not in the center, right? Maybe, maybe it begins to be our stuff. And then, you know, I mean, I don't know. Let's just really be honest. Like uh, maybe it begins to be something else. It's just like, it's our things, it's the new stuff, it's the technology, it's the Netflix, it's the, it's the entertainment. You guys, you live in Vegas, you maybe even work in this industry. It's the stuff, ends up busyness, the, the phone, the friends, the, the social life, it, it ends up being in, in the center. And, and so we, all over the place, maybe, maybe, maybe it's not that, maybe, maybe I don't know, let's, let's just borrow Mary. Come on, Mary. Mary, did you know? Yes, I knew, that my baby boy, I know. Okay, you knew. Okay, maybe, maybe this year your tendency or maybe the tendency of the last year if you just evaluate was Jesus was a part of the picture but it was really the relationship with that girl that started to be the center. And if you really evaluated your life, Jesus is a part but he's not in the center. It ends up to be a relationship drives your life. And so the, the real trick is realizing that God loves us so much he gives his son and the secret of life is to not allow the son to slip to the peripheral, but to remain in the center. And so how do we, at the end of this year, as we're packing up all of our Christmas stuff, we're putting away our nativity scenes, we'll pull them out again next year, how do we allow for the son of God to remain right at the center of our lives where he belongs. So that's what I wanna challenge us with today is as you've got a couple of days left in 2021, as you're thinking about perhaps your resolution for 2022, we can lean in on a promise that if we seek first the kingdom of God and, and, and what he cares about, prioritize him, that all the things in our life will be added unto us. That's what we just read a moment ago uh, in Romans chapter eight. It talks about this. It's one of my favorite verses that if God gave us his son, won't he also give us along with him all good things? He's given us his very best. Let that tell us more of the character of God that he's not holding out on us. And this year, as we look for the way to finish and the way to begin next year, what are the ways we can make sure that Christ stays at the center? Can I give you some practical thoughts just right here at the end of this? Practical thoughts, just the principle of first. Put Jesus first in every area of your life. I'm a, I'm a dad, we talk about this at my house. So we, we talk about, hey, who gets the very first part of the day? Like my kids, they love to wake up, they get up early. Uh, sometimes you wish they'd sleep a little bit later, especially when you don't have work or you don't have anything to do. And you're like, just stay in bed. They don't do that though ever, do they, mom and dad? Uh, and so, but one of the things that we've just made a decision at our home is we're not gonna wake up and turn on the TV. We're gonna, we're gonna wake up and we're gonna connect with God. 
What if that was a real practical thing you could apply to your life or maybe in your home is, hey, give God, give Jesus the very first part of your day. Give him the first part of your day. Uh, I wanna commend you that the very first day of the week is, is Sunday. So what if we were a people that gave God the very first part of our week, Sunday? I'm gonna commit I mean, seriously, uh, maybe this seems crazy, but what if you didn't miss a single Sunday of gathering in 2022? Like, what if you made that commitment? Like, I mean, if you can, you're gonna be there every single Sunday in 2022. You're gonna be there setting the pace, giving God your best, giving God your first, giving God your praise. Every single Sunday of 2022, you're gonna be there because he's at the center of your life. Like, he's not just a part of the picture Somewhere on the scene, he's at the center of your life. Hey, can we be really, really honest? Um, what if Jesus got the first when it came to all of your first fruits next year? Like we're at the end of the year, maybe you got blessed with a bonus or maybe you saw the benefit of a raise. What would it look like next year for you to put Jesus first in your financial space? Listen, it's one of the most practical things that you could do. I, um, I didn't grow up um, thinking I was gonna be a pastor, all right? I grew up in a business family. My, my family's in construction. So I grew up with a dad and a granddad and an uncle that were in construction. But one of the things that I will always look back to my parents and be so grateful for is when they started giving me an allowance for stuff around the house, they used to pay me in dimes and they used to always, always, always ask me the question when they pushed those dimes across, uh, I get a dollar a week and they'd push the first one at me and dad and mom would ask me, whose is this one? Whose is that first 10%? And the answer, of course, you know, is that's the Lord's. I'd carry that, that dime to church, I'd drop it in the offering box and I was just raised and that was second nature and I was blown away when I got into ministry work to find out that the national average in America, which is a massively Christian nation, the national average when it comes to churchgoers putting Jesus first in their finances is like two and a half percent. So yes, two and a half percent of people that attend church actually put him first in their finances. And we wonder why there's so many needs out there and there's not enough resources. But if we, if we would just be different, if we would just say, you know what, Jesus, you're not just gonna be a part of my um, financial picture next year, you're gonna be first. You're gonna be first every single time I get first fruits. I just wanna, I wanna challenge you. It's one of the most practical ways that you will see God move in your life when you trust him. If you're gonna trust him with your eternity, won't you trust him with your paycheck next year? That'd be a really cool practical way. Um, you know, the first part of the year, you're about to start 2022, uh, what if you put him first when it came to those first few days? What if you set aside some time to do some prayer and fasting at the church that we're a part of here in South Carolina? We, we take three weeks of prayer and fasting and we put God first because it's so good at the very beginning of the year to begin to recalibrate and say, come whatever comes this year in 2022, you're gonna be my priority because you're first. You're not a part of the picture, you're at the center of the picture because it's all about you. So Christmas, it's about a gift. Christmas is about the giver, our good God. And Christmas, it's about a response. So the question, how are you gonna respond? Can I pray for you, church? And then you can respond with what the Holy Spirit puts on your heart. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, as we read your word, it reads us. And none of us, God, none of us is immune 
to the Holy Spirit's encouragement and challenge and conviction. And so, Lord, do your work. Do your work in all of our hearts as we finish up 2021 and we begin to set course even in our minds for 2022 for our lives and our family for our dating life for our marriage life for our kids our grandkids wherever we are Lord would you help us to not forget to keep you at the center when we pack up all of our Christmas scenes after we move through this holiday season would you allow us not to just have you as a part of the picture but would you Lord Show us how each one of us might put you at the center of the story in 2022. Father God, we love you. We're so grateful for you. We're so grateful for the life that we have in you, the forgiveness of sins and the everlasting life we can look forward to. We ask Holy Spirit, fill us up now. Give us what we need. Give us not just what we need. Give us more than enough so that we might be able to go and share it with neighbors and friends and coworkers and classmates all over the Vegas area. So God, would you bless your people? Would you bless your church? We ask in Christ's name, amen. Love you, church. God bless.